Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Can everyone hear me? I'm sorry. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Want to make sure. Um, praise, I'm Lord. Gonna, praise the Lord. I'm going to open the line for one more testimony before we get started. Amen. 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 Um, praise the Lord. Good evening, everybody. Um, this is Pastor Maureen. I just want to give God thanks and give God praise um, for all the many blessings that um, he has afforded me with. It's um, I was struggling. It took me a long time to get on the line tonight just to get um, talk shoes set up, everything set up, but, but I made it. Um, nevertheless, um, today marks the end of my 50th year, and, to, and, and at midnight, night uh, marks the beginning of my 51st year on this earth. Glory to God. And I just, you know what, I want to give God thanks and give God praise because, you know, when you hear my testimony um, as to how long ago the enemy tried to wipe me out and have been trying to wipe me out, but God said, no, I have planned and I have purpose for her life. So even though so many things could have happened to me over the years, um, you know, from drowning to being in accidents to being so sick that doctors didn't understand how I made it to all to so many things being in abusive relationships where I thought I was going to lose my life and all that. Um, you know, just to just to make it um, to see the end of my jubilee year. As a matter of fact, my jubilee year con- continues. Uh, uh, you know, after midnight tonight, it's it's, it's continuing. Just um, to experience, um, you know, another birthday, I just um, I just give God thanks and praise because believe me, the devil tried to wipe me out um, so many times over the years, ever since I was a little girl, but uh, you know, as you can hear, he didn't succeed and I'm so glad that he didn't because of what, God, you know, where God is taking me, what God is doing in my life right now. I just give him thanks and I give him praise. And so my testimony is, I've made it. Glory to God, another year to God be the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Lord. Amen. Hey, Pastor Marine. Yes, yes, sir. Happy birthday to you. Uh, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. 
you. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Double for your trouble, woman of God. I love you. God bless you. Love you, too. God bless you. God bless you, Prophet Bob. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. We're in for a treat tonight. Amen. Amen. Uh, Like I said, excuse me. We are in for a treat tonight. So without further delay after the prayer, um, I'm going to give the floor over to Elder June, uh, Malcolm, and I'm going to let her take over on the study. Amen. Amen. Father God, right now, wash me in your son's precious blood. Forgive me of my sins, deeds, thoughts, and actions, anything that is not of you. I do honestly repent, and I receive your forgiveness in no other name but your son's name of Jesus. Father God, you are our Abba Father, our El Shaddai, our Elohim. And we give you praise tonight, Father God. We exalt you. We place no one above you, Father God. We thank you tonight. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way on this line tonight. Have your way. You have your freedom to roam, Holy Spirit. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on a cross for us, just to reconnect us to you. So we thank you. We give you praise tonight. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Tonight, Father God, I ask you to pray our hearts and our souls are mine for the lesson tonight, Father God. God, as Elder June comes up, Father God, let she totally decrease and you totally increase in the name of Jesus. Right now, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for everything that she is about to put forth because we know it's your word coming through, Father God. Father God, right now, I ask you to bind up every distraction right now. Yes, Lord. Mm. Yes, Lord. We plead the blood right now. We plead the blood over a portal, every phone line, every data connection. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come against this lesson tonight. We cancel that assignment now in the name of, Jesus. Name of Jesus. And by the God, we declare in the credit night that tonight Hallelujah. is the night of no other night. As we start to speak, Father God, that we know bondage shall be released, Father God. Yoke shall be broken tonight in the name of Jesus. Deliver shall be set forth tonight in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Let this word be a correction word, a teaching word. Let this word do no, let this word through in and out our lives, our environments, our family, and most important, with our, let it draw us closer to you. And God, right now, I thank you. I thank you for your majesty. I thank you for your presence tonight. So if you are here on this line with us, God, you're our father. So have a father. You are welcome. We are welcome in this place. Jesus, you are welcome in this place. Yes, Lord. Holy, yes, Holy Spirit, Spirit, you are welcome in this Hallelujah. place. Hallelujah. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way tonight. Yes, Lord. And I just got to give you praise tonight. And I bless Hallelujah. you tonight. And I pray this prayer. And no other name but your son's Hallelujah. name. Amen. Lord, amen. Praise God. Amen. Uh, Elder June, have your way. The line is now yours. Amen. Praise the Lord. Simple word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So glad that we're all here tonight again. And um, happy birthday, Pastor Maureen. Thank you very much. Glory to God. And we're expecting greater things in the next 50 years than the first 50. Amen. You don't look anything like 50. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought you were about 35. It's because yesterday we did here put back in a little ponytail. I said, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, 
That's all is good. He beautifies me with salvation. Amen. My husband, my husband told me today that I look like a, a, a little Maureen with a ponytail. <laughs> like a girl with a ponytail. <laughs> That's a wow, 50. That's great. So God be the glory that he has kept you. Amen. And um, I'm expecting him to do greater things for you in your second half of your century than Amen. the first half. Because now you're wiser. Amen. I know you're better. I know you're stronger. Amen. So we'll produce better fruits Amen. Amen. Than, when, than when you first started. Um, I welcome everyone on the line, and tonight I'm just believing God that if there's anyone on the line with a um, great need, that it will be um, taken care of. It will be satisfied with the teaching of the Word. Yes. Glory to God. Amen. I yeah. I was gonna go on to the next um the next lesson that I had um planned in the series that I taught and then um just today when I was looking over my notes and getting myself in the frame of mind to, to go on to the next um to the next lesson, um the Lord said that I needed to do um a deeper segment of the lesson I did last week. There was another segment which I wasn't gonna do it, I was just gonna move right along, but he says no, I needed to share that. So so tonight again I'm still talking about the soils, the four soils, but just at uh, another level. We're gonna be digging digging a little bit deeper. Um, into into that. I'm taking a cue from the Holy Ghost that since if he's doing that at stage, then he is going to demand that we bear fruit. And he's just making certain that we that we know how to do that. So um tonight I'm gonna start with Romans eleven verse um twenty 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 nine. And it's Romans eleven verse twenty nine let us know that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, um, meaning that you don't really have to be saved and sanctified before God will impart his words um, to you. Um, God imparts his word to everybody, whether or not you're saved and sanctified. God, God will always do his part towards mankind. What we do with his words after he gives them to us, is entirely up to us. Um, but he is going to give his word. There will never be a person who will be able to say honestly before God, um, I never heard your words. I had no idea or any clue that you you existed. I, I know there are folks who call themselves atheists and agnostics and all those wonderful things that they choose to call themselves, but... Um, we know, I know, they know, God knows, the devil knows that they're simply kidding themselves. There's no way you can be on the earth and have no clue that God exists. You can deny that he exists, but you certainly do have a lot of clue that he does exist because they haven't declared his glory. So God will disseminate his words, whether or not we're going to accept it. And he knows if we're going to accept it or not, but as I said, being the Almighty, um, seeing that he has to remain blameless, he will do what he has to do, and that is to distribute his words. We belong to a species, a created species that is called man, and um, we have to 
take our responsibility. It has to be a personal responsibility. We have to take the responsibility to fulfill our calling or our divine purpose. If we don't take that responsibility, then no one can do it for us. Nobody else can do what I'm supposed to do on the earth, and I can't do what somebody else is supposed to to do on the earth in the way that that person can do it. So if we um, secure his words in our heart, we will emerge, we will just by default, naturally, we will emerge with divine knowledge. And as I told in the first lesson, knowledge and power mean the same thing. So I could say you could emerge with divine knowledge or divine power to execute um, your position on the earth and secure your right on the earth to be a son of God. However, if I am careless and when the Lord sows his words unto me, I lose it in whatever way I might lose it, um, then for lack of knowledge or lack of power, I will be destroyed. I won't have the power to stay, to stay, um, to survive. It is, however, that is my explicit choice, and it is everybody's choice, what, whatsoever we do with the word. Now, so I'm going to ask everyone who's on the line, and I'm going to do it myself, just to take a minute, just, just a quick minute, and decide what we're going to do with the anointed words of God that is given to us for our eternal preservation. Because sometimes when, sometimes as Christians, we will read the word or we will hear the word, and we have good intention towards the word, but we don't really do anything with it. Um, Just like sometimes somebody said, please pray for me, and we say, yes, we will. And we do intend to pray, but we don't. Like when we said, yes, I will pray, we're not lying. We do intend to pray, but life happens and we don't. So just at this moment, I just want everybody to make an explicit decision that when the Word of God is sown to me, I am going to make certain that I secure it and cause it to bring fruit, bear fruit in my life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So John 6, verse 63 says, My words are spirit and their life. Um, therefore, if the words of God are spirit and life, Jesus is speaking. He said, My words are spirit and life. If the words of God are spirit and life, then um, the natural man or the carnal man cannot handle the word of God cannot use the, use the word of God. Um, they're, they're not compatible. They don't relate in any which way. So if the words of God are spirit and life, then I have to get in touch or in tune or activate my spirit man or the spiritual side of my being in order for the words of God to in order for me to relate to the Word of God or for me to have a relationship with the Word of God. It's the Word of God functions only with our spirit, with our spirit man. So tonight's lesson, we're going to look into what I mean by um, our spirit man. So just so that in the future, when I'm, if I use that term and somebody's not wondering what it means, and because we are online, then the question cannot really be asked, what do you mean by that? So, so tonight I'm just going to settle that, what, what that means, or what, what I mean by when I say that. 
So let's see where the, where the words of the soul were sown as it pertains to your inner man or your spirit man. Your spirit man is your inner man. Your outer man consists of um, our physical anatomy and it's working. So that, that part of my body that you can, you can see, that is my outer man. Even in my internal organs, there's still a part of my outer man. It, it, it's a physical part, whether it's, it's my body itself or my physical organs inside my body that constitute my outer man. They can readily be seen with the natural eye and can be touched and can be handled. The inner man, though, speaks of my spiritual inner self, the dimension of my being that is invisible, as God is invisible. So since the words of God are spirit, and then when they're um, distributed to me or given to me, they will go straight to my inner man. They don't stop by my physical man at all because it's two completely different worlds. So the inner man consists of my mind, my soul, my conscience, and my spirit. Or your mind, your soul, your conscience, and your spirit. So let's look at what um, those entail. The first dimension of my inner being is my psyche, um, as it is called in the mental sciences, or the mind, as it is called in the in the, in the scriptures. Um, now, although um, the, the mental scientists they cannot see the mind, the mind is invisible, cannot be seen. Although it cannot be seen, they know it exists because they see it's working or it's functioning. Um, the mind resides in your physical brain. So the physical organ is the brain, and inside the brain you'll find your mind. It's the seat of the mind. And it, the mind accommodates your intellect um, by which you make I said sensible because I do hope that everybody makes sensible decisions. But we know that sometimes some people make foolish decisions. But we won't, we won't be looking at foolish decisions. We go, it's our intellect by which we can make sensible decisions. Academically, human behavior has been observed and studied extensively. So there is a lot of understanding. There's a lot of information and about the mind, how the mind works. And yet, with all the information that exists concerning the mind, there's still a lot of misunderstanding. But there is a there is a lot of information that a person can read, even if you're not uh, a child of God. There's a lot of information that is readily available in the academic world by which you can study the mind. If you want to study the mind um, by the secular world, um, and you could register in a post-secondary institution, and you would study psychology, or you would study psychiatry. And um, those sciences will teach you how to understand human behavior, how we act, why we do the things that we do. If you want to have the skill to master the thoughts of the mind, like how, how our thought processes always think, you will study. You will study philosophy, but. If you care not for academic studies and you don't want to be bothered with studying psychology and psychiatry or philosophy, you could sit with the Word of God and you will become even more skillful than folks who go to the academic um, institution. So being conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity, as, as the Bible says, human beings are born with a distorted, or delinquent mind, delinquent mindset. 
as such, in order to handle the Word of God, we need a transformation in our mind. So Romans 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might be able to prove what is the good and perfect will of God. So you see, it is by our mind that we can understand the perfect will of God. What is the transformed, renewed mind capable of doing, according to this text? It is capable of proving the acceptable and good and perfect will of God. That's the only part of your being that can do that. There's no other part of your being that can do that. Your mind can do that. So you see that your mind then is very essential to decision-making. The mind is very essential to understand what what the will of the Lord is. And so we, our mind have that capability of doing that even when it is not renewed. But when it is renewed, then we could go the full length. If your mind is not renewed, you will still understand that there is a God and that he is holy and that he is to be worshipped or he is to be served. And uh, but if you don't, if you have no interest in doing that, then you wouldn't take the responsibility of renewing your mind. But if you have an interest in worshiping God, then you would go to the process of renewing your mind, and you will begin to understand godly things, and you will be, begin to understand how to worship and how to please God. Um, if if you refuse to do that, and you decide to function with your mind still in the natural or carnal sense, then your mind then becomes an enemy of the Spirit of God. And that is a very sad state for a human being to be in, um, for your mind to become the mind by which you function to be an enemy of the Spirit. But the natural mind is an enemy of the Spirit, and the carnal mind is definitely an enemy of the Spirit. So you could function by a carnal mind, you could function by a natural mind, or you could function by a spiritual mind. In order to understand the Word of God, you have to function by your spiritual mind. You will find in um, intellectual giants like great professors um, with every letter that you can think of in the alphabet of degree behind their name, but they would still find it impossible to understand simple texts in the Bible, even like God so loved us that he gave his son. They will have a lot of controversy about that because they cannot right. understand. But they're great minds. They, you can, they write books and they form hypotheses and they develop great analysis, but the simplest of Scripture they cannot understand. It's because their natural mind cannot handle the Word of God or the things of God. Um, but in the execution of his office, the Almighty God, he will still sow a word in the natural mind or in the carnal mind. Because when all is said and done, no mind will honestly say, God did not do right by me. So God seeing to it that no one can disallow him. He will allow everybody at some point in time to hear his word. However, if you're transforming your mind and you have great love in your heart for the mentally, the mentally hurting, there is a tremendous market for qualified Christian counselors. And it is a wonderful career to have in Christ. There's a lot of people who are hurting and even secular 
um, secular profession like psychiatry and psychology does not help these folks. So if you are looking for a great career, I encourage you to be a Christian counselor. Um, there's, there's just an unending array of needy people um, and clients who will gravitate towards you for for help. Now, back to back to this, this scriptural basis. The mind is the first battlefield where the enemy rages war against man. Man has three other dimensions where the, the, the seed of God's word can settle, but the enemy rages war in the mind. The enemy is very diligent in what he does. He doesn't sit around and say, oh, well, I can, get, I can get her later. The enemy is trying, like right now, to get each and every one of us. So he doesn't wait around. So he wages war um, on the first battlefront where we're able to receive the word of God, and that is in our mind. He's not taking any chances that we're gonna, he's going to not, not battle us and then allow the word of God to take root making it impossible for him to extract it from us later. He, he, he makes sure as soon as we get the word in our mind, because that's where we first receive the word in our mind, he, makes, he, he will try to make sure that he extracts it from us. So he makes um, the person whose mind he is waging battle in, who cannot resist the devil, what happened? This person becomes preoccupied with minding everybody's business. Whether it concerns him or it doesn't concern him, whether he sees he sees everything and he hears everything, he has an opinion about everything. He enters into very every unprofitable argument um, to prove points that are not worthy to take the time to prove. But that's the person whom the enemy. That's how the enemy fights us um, in our mind. He just gives us a, a multitude of things. To occupy us, and sometimes if you're a counselor and you're trying to help such a person, and you, you begin to cut away at the things that cumbers their mind, you will see that almost 100% of the stuff are not important. But to this person, it was at the end of the world, and it seems so vital that he had to get to the root of it, and he had to get he, he had to straighten it out, and he had to justify this, and. He becomes overwhelmed with the many activities in his mind. Only if he goes to a counselor, the counselor will show him why is that important, why is that important. No, none of it is really important. So now you have to unclutter his mind and then direct him into a more profitable use of his mental um, faculties. You have to teach him how to choose his battles and teach him what, how to set priorities and what to dismiss and what to really um, pay attention to. So with a person who doesn't know how to control their mind, we have an overabundance of traffic. And that's why the scriptures describe such a mind as being hardened, like a, a footpath or a wayside. And notice that the Bible says it, it, it is the wayside or the foot, footpath. It doesn't say it's a highway or a byway. Although the highway and the byway also handle every traffic, but the person who's boggled down in his mind, his mindset is not like that of the highway or the byway, because people on highway or byway, they're going somewhere. They're going somewhere, they're going somewhere very fast. So um, the enemy, though, does business in the lowest 
uncultivated sector of human relationship. That's where we get a lot of work done. And so I said, if he waits for you to get to the highway, he might miss you because now, you, now you're going at a speed that um, he's going to have problem with. So he meets you at the, at the lowest level of human relationship where you're uncultivated. You, you haven't even yet learned how to dissect and, 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 and separate, disseminate information. On the other hand, the renewed mind is striving for higher ground. But the unrenewed mind is bottled down on the footpath. It's not going any place. It can always be found where doubts and fears arise. That's that's the that's a cluttered mind. So if the enemy con- conquers the mind, it manifests itself in schizophrenia, and bipolar, depression, stress, double-mindedness, absent-mindedness. And the word of God cannot take any effect in that mind. So the Bible says we have to guard. We have, we have to guard our mind that um, we don't become so boggled down with unimportant things that not even the word of God can take root in us. If we go to the next um, mindset, the, the, the thorns, we're looking at. So, so, so you understood then that the, the mind that is by the wayside. It, the, 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 the soil that is by the wayside, it deals with the mind. But the this, this soil that is described as being among thorns, it deals with the soul and the heart. So your mind is, is the first sector of your inner being, and your heart and your soul is the second sector of your inner being. Uh, whereas the wayside speaks of the, the untransformed mind, thorns symbolize the uncircumcised heart are the soul that is self-willed. The soul is resident within the physical heart. That's where your soul resides, it's in your physical heart. Your mind resides in your brain, and your soul resides in your physical heart. Now, in the beginning, before man sinned, and I'm certain I will repeat this again at some point in time, before man sinned, man lived as a, as, as a soul, as a soul being. But when, when man sinned, his soul from all that trouncing of, of, of sin and the new environment, it receded and took up residence in his heart. So that is why in the Bible sometimes heart and soul are interchangeable. So the heart is the seat of human emotions. That's where we feel all the stuff that we feel, love, hatred, anger, all that stuff. We feel that in our heart. So the heart governs our emotions, and the soul governs the will, our will. And because our mind and our heart and our soul are decision-making factors, that's why we need to understand them, how they work. And that's why we need to understand how the Word of God affects them. Because nobody goes into heaven unconsciously. Nobody's going to make it into the eternal kingdom of God. Not not knowing that that's where they were going to end up. But when you reach when you reach the eternal kingdom of God, you will be wise. You will be intelligent. So you you have to know yourself at every level. So the enemy will afflict the heart. The enemy wage war in the mind, but he afflicts the heart. And when he afflicts the heart, such a person becomes overwhelmed with doubts fears, 
unbelief and thoughts of um, uncleanness, which is gendered by either the love of the world or the care of the world. Jesus, as a man on the earth, went the length of his sojourn here in a body of flesh to show us how we do function. While in Gethsemane, we hear Jesus crying out to his Father. He says, let this cup pass from me. Then when he saw what would happen if God answered that prayer, that his divine purpose would be defeated and his earthly mission aborted, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but let thy will be done. That's in Matthew 26, verse 39. So the scripture says that Jesus' soul was not left in hell, neither he saw corruption. That's in Acts 2, verse 31. You will see that in there. Because he forsook his own will and consented to the will of the Father. But the soul that does opposite to what Christ does, the soul that um, is self-will, it will sin, and the Bible says the soul that sin itself surely die. So that's in Ezekiel 18, verse 4. So you see that the seeds planted among thorns sprang up for a while. That's what, that's what the scripture says in Luke and in Matthew. But the cares of the world broke them, and then they, they, they die. So again, we have to make sure that we guard our heart and that the, the, the cares of the world does not overwhelm us. And, and cause us to and cause us to die, and cause the word to die to die in us. So the next one that we looked at on the on the outside was the one that fell on on the, on the rock, and that part of our inner being speaks of our conscience. So the Bible says that um, the words did not take root in 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 that soil. Because our conscience, if it is seared with a hot iron, then it cannot, nothing can take root in, in a conscience that is seared. So First Timothy 2, verse 4, and, and I'm just going to read some scriptures tonight. I'm going to read some of these texts tonight. First Timothy um, 4, verse 2, um, and Ephesians 4, verse 19, and Romans 1, 24, and First Peter 4, verse 3. Ezekiel 44, verse 6, and Ezekiel 2, verse 5. I'll read some of those scriptures just to show us um, what, what I'm saying. But with the, the rock, nothing good can grow there. Matthew 13 says that the, the, the seed could not take root. So with no root, when the sun came up, the, 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 plant, the little plants were scorched, and they died. And St. John 15, verse 6 says that if a branch is not bearing fruit, it is cut down and cast into the fire and is burnt. The man whose heart is like a rock, the rocky man, is past feeling. He cannot feel after God. He has, he has no desire for intimacy with God, and so he can have no relationship. And definitely he will not bear any fruit. Now, for the good soil, I'm going to read, I'm going to um, relate all the the text, and then I'll go back and read the scripture. We'll, we'll, we'll conclude reading the scriptures. Now, for the, the good soil speaks of this of your spirit. So you see that uh, we had we have a mind. That's the that's where the devil do his first battle by the wayside, and we have a heart. That's where we can become so cumbered with stuff, and um, 
like the seeds sown among thorns, and then the rock, um, talking about our conscience being seared with a hot iron, and then the good soil speaks of our spirit. So in our in our inner workings, uh, we have a mind, we have a heart, we have a conscience, and we have a spirit, and those are all different working parts of our being. Um, the human being, uh, let me say man, man is, is is very complex. Man is not as simple as he appears to be. He has uh, um, depths depth of working, um, and so God works with every single part of us. God gives us different areas by which we make decisions, like we could make decisions in our mind, we could make decisions in our heart, we could make decisions in our conscience, and we could make decisions in our spirit. God gives us more than one working system. Just in case one part of us stops working, we have another part that's working. Let's say, for instance, my mind stops working because I, I, I have mental illness. I've become schizophrenic. I can still understand God. I can understand God by my heart, or I could understand God by my conscience, or I could understand God by my spirit. So I, 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 I admire God for his, for his design because he gives us a backup system. And, and, and so that is why you, you might find somebody in the mental institution who um, is, is, is clearly, clearly suffering from madness, but they can still sing praises unto God. They're not doing it with their mind. And um, when Jesus was here on the earth, he met people who were lunatic, but they could still cry out and say, Jesus, the yes. son of David, have, have mercy on me. Yes. So I, again, I see how God works it so that he is never at fault. He gives us more than one system by which we can relate to him. Now, any system that we begin to work with God with, it, it, it's wonderful because once we start to work with God, then our whole system can become whole or become healed according to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. So I might not start with it by my, from my mind. I might start by my conscience, but if my, if my mind is messed up, then starting with God from my conscience, my mind will be healed. If I start with God from my heart, then working with God from my heart, my conscience can become quickened. If I start with God um, from my mind, then my heart and my conscience can be quickened. That's how God makes us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And there will, there will not be a, a human being on the, the earth who could honestly say, I have no wherewithal by which I could understand God. So the good, the good soil speaks of our spirit after it has been quickened. And quickened means to be made alive. Um, again, at one point, there was, not, there was nothing wrong with man's spirit. But when sin came, our spirit became in uh, malfunction, in, in, inoperative, um, unable to reach out to God. And, and, and so our spirit sat there. But God, in his, in his mercy and in his grace, at some point in time, would um, communicate with our spirit in a way that we could understand him. 
and he just he just does that at a certain point in time he he would he would do that for us so the bible says that the, the spirit of god does not always strive with man um it's because with the spirit that is not quickened god does not always call out to you because for god to call out to you and for you to hear in your spirit god has to do something with your spirit at that time which the bible calls um quickened and so at some point in time god will call out to you you will hear and but you might you, you will not respond and 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 god will continue to do that until some point in time we, we respond to him and when we respond to him and we accept um salvation in the name of jesus christ then our spirit become quickened so the bible says that any man be in christ he is a new creature and all things are passed away everything has become new once um our spirit is quickened it's become the perfect soil for the seed word to take root and bring forth much fruit and according to the scripture some of us will bring forth fruit 34 some will bring forth fruit 64 some will bring forth fruit a hundredfold. Um, it depends. Um, it depends on what our gifts and calling are, or to how much fruit we, we 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 bring forth. And God is not going to judge us about our fold. We 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 bring forth according to our our several ability that God has given to us. Um, quicken means that we can now manifest the qualities of life. It is clearly seen that we are alive. So if somebody is quickening the spirit, um, there is a marked difference between somebody who is not quickening the spirit. Um, it is clearly seen that this person is a spiritual person. So before sin came in man's bloodline, Adam, which is the only man that God ever created, he was a spirit man. He and his maker enjoyed complete fellowship, but when sin came, man lost his spiritual existence, and he became fleshy or carnal. But there is good news. What the first Adam lost in Eden, the second or the last Adam regained in Calvary. I find that very ironic because Eden means a pleasant place. And in that pleasant place, man lost his, his, his position of sonship. And here comes the second Adam, and in a place of toil and pressure, he regained it and um, put us back in the position where we're supposed to be with the Lord. Um, get cinnamon means an oil press. And it's, I don't know if you ever see what olive being turned into oil, but it is a very, very painful um, process um, if you're if you're to assimilate it to human beings. Uh, somebody was asking me the other day if I think trees um, feel pain and fruit feel bad. I said, no, I don't think they feel pain. I was thinking that they might feel pain. I said, no, I don't think they feel pain. But if you just look at the process of um, how olives are pressed or the oils are pressed out, and if you could imagine your own self being pressed like that, then you would see that it's a very painful experience. If you watch Christ in the garden, they said that his sweat became like drops of blood. So you know that although he was the Christ, he was really 
suffering. He, he felt a real pain. God did not cheat when it comes to Christ. Um, Jesus felt real pain. The Bible says he was in our points tempted like we are, yet we don't, we, he didn't sin. So when Christ was pressed in Gethsemane, he gained a victory and regained all that Adam lost. So although uh, we're conceiving sin and sin and iniquity, we're not uh, with behind where Adam was. As a matter of fact, many times I would teach and say we are a bit ahead of where Adam was. Uh, glory to God, because we're here in 2015, and we have so many scriptures, we have so many experiences, and we now have Christ um, living within us. So we are able to like Adam already did what he did. We already have that information. We already have that knowledge. We already have the power of that knowledge. We're not trying to figure it out anymore. It's been it's been proven. So Christ paid the demanded price of pure, sinless, uncontaminated blood. That was what was required to redeem man. Somebody had to pay the price to redeem man. The price was Pure, sinless, uncontaminated blood. No, nobody coming out of Adam's lineage could have done that. Because we are conceiving sin and sin and iniquity. Yes. So somebody else had to come with pure blood to do that. And I'm so glad that Jesus Christ had that blood in him. Now, I was teaching um, once, and I asked my class, what does redeem mean? And they didn't really know what redeem meant. So I had to explain to them. I said, redeem means that um, somebody had to buy your back. Something, something had to be bought back. So I said, man it was redeemed. And once I get the consensus, but he agreed, yes, yes, man was redeemed. I said, who was man bought back from? And it was amazing as I was teaching ministers, nobody had, the, had that concept in their mind that man was actually bought, B-O-U-G-H-T, bought back. And I, I, I was shocked because I asked questions just to let the, the lesson flow, flow along. Like if we were all in the same room. Oh. I would be asking a lot of questions, and then we'll just get the lesson to flow. So when I ask questions, it's just a lesson to flow. But sometimes my students can have stumped me, and, you know, we have to stop at a certain point for a little while. So nobody had the concept that man was actually really bought back. So I said, yes, we were bought back. And so, okay, after I get them to ask them, I said, who were we bought back from? Or what were we bought back from? And again, there were some that said, oh, so some that said we were bought back from God. I said, what do you mean we were bought back from God? God bought us back from his own self? Yeah. They said, that doesn't make any sense. I would have bought us back. Who had us? Who did we sell ourselves out to? What did we sell ourselves out to? So they wouldn't say, I said, okay, look, we sold ourselves out to sin. We sold ourselves out to the devil. We sold ourselves out to darkness. And it was amazing. A lot of them said, no, I was never, I was never in darkness. I was never, I was never with sin. I, I never had anything to do with the devil. <laughs> so then I guess I don't need to be redeemed. Because if you never had anything to do with the devil, then what, what did you need to be redeemed from? And it was very hard for um, those ministers to admit 
that they had a sin problem or that mankind and a whole had a sin problem. So so tonight I am glad, I'm rejoicing that um, we're able to understand exactly what Christ did for us, what Christ did for us so that we can put the proper value on who he is and who we are and what we have to, to do. So when the enemy, I told him, I said, look, it was not God. You know, we always teach that um, when man sinned, God was angry with man, and God demanded blood to, to, to appease his own self. And I said, you know, that is not scriptural doctrine. You will find no place in the Bible where God said he demanded blood from man to, to, to be appeased because he was angry with us for our sin. I said, we need to understand God. We need to understand what, we're, what, what is happening in the world, what's happening in the race of man so that we know exactly what position to take. I said, no, it was not God that demanded blood. If it was God who demanded blood, then he didn't, wouldn't have to send, send Jesus to come and die for us. He could make his own blood and have his own blood to appease his own self. Besides, there's no place in the Bible it says that God needed to be appeased. Mm-hmm. Um, God is the Almighty. You cannot find in the Scripture that God needed to be appeased. So I had to draw the straight line picture and, 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 and show them. I said, look, God made man to have a good relationship with him. God loved man. Man sinned. When man sinned, he lost his position of um, friendship and godliness and all that God had and, um, endowed him with to the enemy, to sin, to the devil, to darkness. But God loved us with an everlasting love. And God started to make us in his image and after his own likeness. And God is going to complete that. So God had to buy us back. What God did was to actually buy us back. God was not appeasing himself. And the enemy which is evil, not Satan, because Satan is not, this, is not the boss of the, of the underworld. It is evil. Satan is just a servant of evil. Uh, when evil demanded, the evil says to God, if you want your children back, you have to buy them back with pure blood. And the reason why evil said that was because he thought that there was no way there was pure blood any place because everybody was born out of Adam after he sinned. Nobody born out of Adam before he sinned. So when evil set that price, evil just simply thought, there's no way this price can be paid because God finished all his work. God ended um, all his labor. And God cannot lie, and God cannot go back on his own work. He says he, he, he ended, he rested from all his labor. So if he didn't have pure blood, he would have to start up back creation again to make the pure blood. And that was what evil thought, that he didn't have, have the price to pay. But God had the price. God had made that price before he even made man, uh, which made me to know that evil doesn't know everything uh, because, again, evil was created. And so it doesn't know everything. Evil is not equal to God. God and evil are not two superpowers wrestling with each other. God don't have any competition. God is the Almighty, and there is none beside him. None before him, none behind him. There is none like him. God is supreme um, all by himself. 
And everything that we see was created. Everything was a work of God's hands. Even evil, God created evil. But evil thought that it could put one over on God and, and, and supersede God. So evil demanded blood, demanded pure blood to redeem man. It makes sense that pure blood was, de- was demanded to redeem man because when man sinned, sin took over man's bloodline. Yes. So in order to redeem his bloodline, it did require pure blood. That's where where sin went. Yes. Sin went into our bloodline. Sin didn't go into our mind or go into our heart or go into one of ourselves. Sin went straight to the center of our life. It went straight into our bloodline because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And so that's what the Bible said, the wages of sin is death. And that's why it says the enemy comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. It is always trying to negate life because God is life. And so the opposite of life is, is, is death or separation from God. And so evil separated man from God. And when God says, I do love my children, even although they have sinned, and I do want my children, evil says, you could have them back. Ha, 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 ha. You could have them back. But they have to be redeemed with pure blood because I'm sitting sitting up here in their bloodline and I'm not coming out. The only way you could get me out is if you pay me with pure blood. So it took 42 generations, the Bible says. But lo and behold, one day, hallelujah, glory to God, God clothed himself, hallelujah, in the likeness of sinful flesh. Conceived himself in the womb of a woman and born, hallelujah, glory to God, through the, 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 Hebrew, the Hebrew Jewish race to redeem mankind, redeem those who were under the law and to redeem those who were not under the law. And so Jesus Christ was born and he lived and he suffered and he bled and he died. And when he was on the cross and they pierced his side, the blood that came out of Jesus' side was the pure blood that evil demanded to redeem, to redeem mankind and to redeem the earth. And um, there is, a, there is a, there's a, a, a sweet message about Jesus bleeding from seven areas of his, of his body just to make certain that every area where man's life was affected, Jesus paid the price. So we have perfect life, we have total life, we have complete life again in Christ. So again, as, as sin was defeated, evil was defeated, Satan was defeated, darkness was defeated, because um, God paid a price through Christ to redeem us. We were bought back. Now, there was a time before Jesus Christ came that the Jewish, the Jewish people, Israelites, Israelites, they used to do animal sacrifices. We know that. And so they have many different types of sacrifices that they did. But the Bible says in Hebrews that those, those animal sacrifices could not make man perfect. Because um, for every year they had to do it over and over and over again. Now, I thought about it once and I said, it couldn't be because they sin again. Why you do it over again, right? Because since Jesus Christ came and died 
and remember even baptizing your name and have the Holy Ghost, we still sin. Um, but you don't come dying every year um, for us. So how is it that the, the blood of bulls and bullocks and turtle doves, how come those couldn't redeem us? But the blood of Jesus will um, redeem us. Because when Jesus come, Jesus died, Jesus shed his blood, we accept it, but we still sin. But Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrew, only once Jesus is coming to die for a sin. So I had to find out from the Lord how is it that Jesus' blood was effective and the other blood, the, the blood of bulls and goats and bullocks had to be done year after year after year. So the Lord um, gave me an analysis of a pawn shop, and, and I love how God talks to me sometimes because he's just so practical and down to earth. He says, listen, if you run out of money, and you say you take your, your, your mother's um, wedding ring to the pawn shop and say, this has been in our family for years. It's her family heirloom, but you hold on to it until um, I can come back and get it back, redeem it. And the, the, the guy in the pawn shop gives you $2,000 for this ring. You take $2,000 to leave the ring with him, and then a month after, you're able to go back for the ring. How much money do you think you have to bring him back? And uh, he says $2,000. I said, no, you can't give him back $2,000. You have to give him back more than the $2,000. Because to redeem anything, it takes a higher price yeah. than, than what was given in the first place. And so the, bulls, the, the, the blood of bulls and bullocks and goat, they did not measure up to the price of man. Man is God's highest creation. No other creature is so complex in being like we are. Like no other creature have spirit, soul, body, conscience, uh, and, and, and will. Only man has that. Uh, no, other Im no other creature of God is made in the image and likeness of God. Only man was made in the image and likeness of God. So when God got ready to redeem man, he had to pay with something higher, higher than what man was worth, higher than the blood of man. And the only blood that was higher than the blood of man was the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, the blood of bulls and goats and bullocks, they are lower than the blood of Christ, than the blood of mankind. Um, we are worth more than bullocks and, and goats and, and turtle doves. And lambs, even lambs are worth more than lambs. So, so those bloods could not really redeem us. And so the only thing they did was to cover our sin for, for a year. And although Israel, we just finished celebrating um, a few days ago, last week, the Day of Atonement. Uh, although every, uh, they said it was a Day of Atonement, but it was just a covering for sin. It was not a removing of sin. It was a covering. But when Jesus Christ came and shed his blood, only then was man's sin really um, in a position to be removed or totally eradicated. And so God wrapped up this blood that is needed to eradicate our sin. God wrapped up that blood in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
and the name of Jesus Christ um, was revealed to man. Hallelujah. Because it is that name, hallelujah, no other name is given under heaven whereby we can be saved. It is through that name that we can be redeemed. So what God did, God wrapped his blood into the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, and, and revealed the name to us. And so we have access, hallelujah, glory to God, to the blood of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. And anytime we need the blood of Jesus, all we have to do is call upon his name, and his blood is released unto us, and we have access to his blood, hallelujah. And the blood of Jesus Christ is eternal life. Now, somebody said, where did God get this blood from? Because for a long time it was thought that God just spirit. And spirit don't have blood. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So when I say to teachers, I say, God don't have any blood. I said, what? You have something that God don't have? If you have blood, God has blood. I said, yes, God has blood. Is that Mr. blood from Jones? Adam? Yes, dear. Mr. Jones, can I just yes. ask a question? I didn't want to interrupt, but uh, with the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes. I know I have this discussion before um, yes. when... You know, um, Mary was conceived by the Spirit of God. Now, this question was asked before. Now, with Mary blood and Jesus blood, was it connected? There's no way, right? No, they were not but connected. Because then if Mary blood is connected to Jesus, then um, Jesus' blood would be um, contaminated. Yes. Right? It would be. Like Adam, like Adam, yes, like any one of us, yes. Right. So I I have this question, and I hear different, different answers, and I was saying, no, there's no way that Mary's blood could connect with Jesus' blood, then that would defeat the purpose. So you That's agree right. with that, right? Okay, right. That's thank right. You. And Mary, Mary's blood did not pass on to Jesus. Because had Mary blood been passed on to Jesus, then Jesus would have come under the same condemnation of sin that um, having a sinful bloodline. But, and that could not redeem. That could not redeem man. Because you cannot use messy blood to redeem messy blood. You, you have to have something higher than messy blood to redeem messy blood. So we were all messed up in our blood system, in our bloodline, and um, God clothed himself in sinful flesh. Now, the blood that was in Jesus' body, uh, it didn't come from Mary. The blood that was in Jesus' body came from heaven. Um, Now, I often tell um, the folks that I'm speaking with, do not ask me how God got the blood from heaven in Jesus' body. (laughs) He tells me, I'll tell you. But the Bible says, when, when, you remember when Jesus was here, Jesus walked by um, the Jordan where John was baptizing, and John made a statement, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So if you pursue that line of, of, of um, scripture, um, that line of doctrine, you will see that God slay a lamb before the, before the foundation of the earth. Glory to God. The Bible says so. There is some stuff the Bible explains in detail. Some stuff the Bible does not explain. Um, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the things that are revealed, 
belongs to the children of man. The stuff that are not revealed belongs to God. <laughs> so there, there's some stuff that God has not revealed to us um, fully, and we just have to accept what he says um, uh, about that thing. But he says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. So with proper thinking, if our mind is not messed up by the enemy and our mind is not hardened, we can think we can think godly thoughts. If our mind is transformed and we have the mind of Christ, we can think godly thoughts and we can understand God. And that is why um, the enemy tries to mess, up, mess us up in our minds because if he messes us up in our mind, um, he doesn't even have to go any further to trouble our heart. We don't even understand God or can think any proper thing about God. But if our mind is working right, we can understand that if the Bible says that God, um, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth, it means that that lamb was not slain on earth because the earth did not even exist yet. The, the earth was not even founded yet. So if, if a lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth, that means that lamb was slain someplace else other than earth. Is that, is that a fair assumption? Yes. If the lamb was slain before the foundation, then the lamb was slain somewhere before earth was made. Yes. So that's going beyond where the Bible says, in the beginning God created. And we don't know beyond that. We don't know beyond in the beginning God created. And somebody says, where does God come from? And there's a scripture that God comes from Mount Timon. And I usually don't pursue those scriptures too far because um, I imagine if God wanted us to know that he would have let us know at this point. So we just have to accept that God in deciding to make man and to make man in his image after his own likeness. And I, and I told um, you before that um, to be in God's image and God's likeness means there's no inferiority. There's no inferiority between God and man. That's what, that, that's what God's um, original intent was, and it is still his intent. And God started this process of making a, a, a being in his image and after his own likeness, God started with dust and his breath. And the process was going along until man sinned. And we're here now in this state um, accepting redemption and to go back and track and to really see how God is going to finish this whole process. I'm looking forward to seeing how God really finished the process, like starting with dust and then getting me to be like him. I can understand when some folks say that is impossible. Some folks cannot see how that is possible. Some folks even think it is blasphemy to think such a thing is possible. And I says I'm not going to judge God's word. If God said he's making me in his image and after his likeness, I'm going to accept that and I'm going to say that. Um, anything God says, that's what I'm going to accept. And God said he's making me in his image and after his likeness. When um, Jesus was here on the earth and he was talking to his disciples, they said, um, Jesus says, and I says, who then can be saved? And Jesus says, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things all are things possible. Are so I tell folks all the time, I don't struggle to be saved. I don't struggle no. to be holy. 
I don't fret about being sanctified. All that is in God's portfolio. The only thing I have to do is listen to the voice of God and obey what he says. Whether he speaks to me directly or he speaks to me through a preacher or a teacher or he speaks to me through his written word, however he speaks to me, my job is to listen, to hearken, and to obey, and God will do what he has to do. So man was conceived in sin, shaping iniquity, and somebody might think, well, how can God... um, rid me of all that. I was speaking to a young man um, last week. I had a very um, unusual experience. I always have unusual experiences. I had another one last week. <laughs> I went to look for a friend of mine whose leg um, got amputated just because she was so disobedient and, and would not listen to, to sense, to, to sensible thought and sensible decision. Somewhere in her mindset, um, she didn't make right decision. She was told by the doctor that she um, had a, a, a condition, diabetes, and so she had to adjust her diet. And she wouldn't adjust her diet. And, and the reason why she didn't adjust her diet, if you ask her, says, why, are you, why are you having that? She says, well, um, I'm a son of God and I can eat anything I want. Okay. I says, okay. <laughs> okay, son of God. Or she'll say, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and God give me these things to enjoy, so I'm going to enjoy them. Well, eventually they amputated her, her leg. I know she's not handling that very well. She sits um, in rehab and she cries all the time. And um, I'm not looking for a place to put her before she passes away because she is she's not eating and she's deteriorating. And um, I'm very quickly trying to get her out of the place where she is and trying to get her back on track. I keep on telling her, they only amputate a part of your leg. Nothing is wrong with you, yeah, but she's, she's now regretting all the bad decisions. So I went to see her um, one day last week, and as soon as I stepped out of the car, there was a young young man walking up the, the, um, the walkway, and he looked at me and he says, I need to vent. <laughs> so, so I didn't say anything at first. My, my mind is on my friend. I have enough trouble thinking about my friend. So he looked at me and goes, I need to vent. I want to vent. And so I didn't say anything at first. And then he looked at me and directly and says, I'm talking to you. I said, I want to vent. So I said, right here and right now? He said, yes. I said, okay, then go ahead and vent. <laughs> I, had a, I had a counseling session and I decided to walk with this young man. So, um, we we have to make certain we have to make certain that as um mankind as part of the race of man you see if you're unsaved you can jolly well be called human beings but you're, if you're saved i don't call you human beings anymore and that's the lesson i was going to teach tonight i'm going to do a comparison between being a man and being a human being until the lord says no don't go there yet stay here for a little bit longer um being a uh, a member of the family of God, we're supposed to make right decisions. Yes. We're not supposed to let the enemy um, crowd our mind and let us think um, silly, silly thoughts. If, if all she had to do was to adjust her diet, and I believe she would have saved her leg, 
but she decided not to adjust her diet. There, there, there are ways being being fallen, being born in a race that is fallen. There are things that are not acceptable. There are things that if we do them, although we are sons of God, although the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, although God made the food for us to eat, um, I agree, but you still have to do it with the, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God. Because if you don't, then you will pay the consequence. Now, the enemy is not going to miss a beat to, to do something evil. Um, because although Christ already paid the price, we don't owe the enemy anything. God paid full price for us. We don't owe the enemy anything. We don't, we don't owe the enemy to be sick or diseased or depressed or poverty-stricken. Jesus paid for all of that. And sometimes in the church, I can't even get people to believe that we're supposed to be healthy. They said something yeah, like, it's grace is sufficient for me. Okay, keep your sickness. I'm not fighting with you to get rid of your sickness. You know, oh, my back is hurting. Um, do you go to therapy? It's grace is sufficient for me. So why are you complaining? Um, sometimes I can't even get Christians to think um, that it is not the will of God for us to be poor. And poverty stricken, that we're supposed to be um, um, fortified in wealth and finances and in our health. And yes. they'll say, they'll say something like, um, um, prosperity is wickedness. Only the wicked prosper. So that's not true. Not only the wicked prosper. And they'll say, oh, my treasures are up in heaven. I don't need anything on the earth. I said, well, don't come and borrow my money. <laughs> don't complain Amen. to me. <laughs> I tried to borrow my money. You tried to up in heaven. <laughs> so I, I find the enemy at times. There's so many ways that the enemy works. There's so many ways. Like he might not, he might not get you to say you're rejecting Christ and 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 you're staying in sin. But he will get you, although you accept Christ, to live a defeated life. And so you have to understand exactly who your Heavenly Father is and what He has allotted to you and make certain that you utilize uh, what He has allotted and, and, and don't let the enemy stop you from thinking any less than what, what God says you are, who God says you are. Um, even with Jesus Christ, Jesus tells us that um, who being in the form of God found it not robbery to be equal to God. And everything that is said of Jesus in the scripture is actually said of us, is the sons of God on the earth. Because Jesus is a secured a position for us exactly like his. And so the Bible says if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. There, 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 there's no inferiority. God, even God the Father doesn't want inferiority with, with, um, with us. To see how God wants to have an intimate relationship with us. God desires all the time to be close to us. And um, But if the enemy can get us to think um, wrong thoughts, if the enemy can get us to, to believe wrong doctrine, even about ourselves, he will. He's not going to alert us that you know that you're redeemed. You know that you're a son. You know that you don't owe me anything anymore. You know that your father paid the full price um, for you and you're free from me. Do you know you don't have to listen to me when I talk to you? Do you know you have power to trample on my head? Do you know you have the power to command me to leave your presence and I have to obey you? The devil will not alert us to those uh, information. We have to study the word of God and we have to have this relationship with God where we will find out those things. And even when we find out 
what's allotted to us and the power that's given to us. Um, the enemy will not sit down lightly and let us use it. He will still try to humbug and upset because he fights dirty. Don't think because Christ has paid him, he's going to leave us alone. He's not going to leave us alone. Didn't you see when Jesus was here? The earth and everything belongs to Jesus. And he said to Jesus, if you're born, don't worship me, I will give you these things. It's Jesus' own things he's offering him. And so if he's going to do that with Jesus, then just imagine what he will try to do with us. So it is imperative that we understand the full working of our being. We cannot afford not to know who we are and to know how we work. I was at the airport, um, and I'm going to say this where I'm on the Internet, and I'm going to say it plain straight out in the home here because I'm not afraid of the enemy, and I'm, I don't let the enemy control my mind in any kind of way. I was sitting at the airport um, a few weeks ago, and um, there was these little kids that were four little girls that were outside in front of the car um, playing, and um, I, I immediately my eye um, caught the attention of one of them, as she came around, and plain as day saints, I heard um, a voice say, I want to sex her. I'm going to sex her. And I was so frightened. I go, my body, my body jumped, and I go, what is that? And so um, I looked at the little girl again, and I said, God, that is a very sinful and wicked thought. But the Lord didn't say anything to me at first. And then the little girl mother came around, and she actually looked at, she looked directly at me in the car and waved to me, and I waved to her, and she wanted to tell me that she was sorry that they were in my way. And I said, no, you're not in my way. I'm not ready yet to leave. And so I, I, they, they went in their car, and they, and they left. And I got up the next day, and um, in my meditation, the Lord says to me, do you know when something happened to you that you don't understand? You must not keep silent about it. You must ask me about it. And you know, you know when the Lord is talking to you, you know exactly what he's talking about. And I says, God, I didn't even know how to begin asking you anything about what I heard, those, those thoughts that I heard. And he, he said to me, um, the little girl that you saw, when you heard the words that you heard, I caused you to hear it so that you could pray for her because the enemy, the spirit of pedophilia is um, lurking. And she's so young and she, she was just plain, innocent, just innocent. That was why it frightened me so much because she was so innocent, you know, just a little, little girl playing around so innocently. And then I, as, as plain as day I heard her, I want to sex her. I'm going to sex her. And then I said, um, and I hope I'm not offending anybody with those words, but I think I'm here to strengthen everybody and to alert you as to the sort of devils that we have to face these days. And um, the Lord, he says, you need to pray for her, and you need to protect her, and you need to cover her. And I might never, ever see that little girl again, but I wish that I had understood that when I was already, when I was at the airport, because I would have said something to her mom. If I if I if I had understood that um, that was the Lord alerting me to what the enemy plans for her, then I could have said to the mom, you know, you, you have some nice children here, and you must make certain who babysit them, and where you leave them, and who they travel with, and whatever you do with them, don't leave them on your side because they're evil 
spirits around that will try to. And I, I would boldly have said that to her. But um, maybe the Lord didn't want me to say it to the mom. Maybe I would have frightened her. I don't know. But it was probably just my job to do. So now the Lord told me, the Lord says, you have a job and a responsibility to pray for her because I have caused you to hear and caused you to know what the devil is thinking about and what the devil is saying about it. The edit, the edit that the enemy have against her name, I cause you to know it. I cause you to hear it. You cannot deny that you hear it. And I can't deny I heard it. I heard it. And so I, I, um, I thought about our curriculum, school curriculum now that we have to, we have to face and I realized that, that that spirit of pedophilia is working its way through the school system, and those devils are becoming bolder and bolder as the days go by. And the government is in agreement with, uh, with these um, immoral spirits, sexual spirits that are targeting our children, um, until the point now that Satan don't even mind saying it to somebody like me, a son of God, so I guess the, the enemy just think that nobody can stop me, nobody can do anything about me. I can do anything that I want to do. So now I have that little girl to pray for. I don't know her name. I don't know anything about her. But you, when you're praying, just remember, bind the spirit of pedophilia. The Lord knows who she is and that the Lord will protect her at, at, at all times. So we have to understand how our mind works, how the world works. And so I am, I am looking at what God started with. God started with dust. And here we are with a, a doctrine, a vision, a promise that when God is through with us, we're going to be exactly like him. If we could only get our mind to be transformed by his word, if we could get our hearts to be circumcised, by his word, if we could get our consciences to be quickened by his word, and if we could get our spirits to be renewed by his word, then God will be able to continue with each and every one of us exactly what he started with Adam um, in the garden. I mean Adam and Eve with mankind in the garden. And as we understand God more and more each day, it becomes our responsibility. I'm going to finish this one because I know my time is done. It becomes our responsibility to, to encourage and educate each other that they don't um, fall in the trap of not knowing. Unfortunately, everybody will not listen. Hallelujah, glory to God. But like the sower who goes out to sow, and the seed fell on all type of ground, sometimes we as Christians of children of God, we cannot try to choose and select who we minister to and who we preach to. But we shouldn't. Uh, that's partiality, and God does not practice partiality. It is not for us to decide who we're going to minister to. Minister to everybody. You see this word, Jesus, his seed fell everywhere. By the wayside, on the rock, among thorns. He knows those soils not going to bring forth anything, but he didn't. He didn't refuse to let the seeds fall on those soils. He didn't sow just on the good soil alone, because he's the almighty God. He reigns upon the just, and he reigns upon the unjust. So as children of God, we have to understand who we are and what we're here to do. 
and how God goes about doing those things. Now, the, the blood of Jesus Christ, as I just told you, is wrapped up in the name of Jesus. And we need the blood of Jesus Christ for a lot of things. It is our medicine. It is our strength. It's a weapon that we use against the enemy, and that blood is in his name. Now, what we ought to do, what we ought to do before we begin to um, bellow, bellow the blood of Jesus, we need to make sure that the blood of Jesus is upon us. Because if the blood of Jesus is not upon me, and just by my tongue, I'm yelling the blood of Jesus, I'm not going to get any result out of it. It will still be a carnal utterance. But if I'm a spiritual person, if I have the anointing of God in my life, and then I have authority now to use the blood of Jesus and to use the name of Jesus. So every time I pronounce the name of Jesus, his blood will flow afresh. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that is why when we're being baptized, I don't know if there's anybody listening who's not baptized in the name of Jesus, but when we're, we're, when we're being baptized, we say we, we, we baptize folks in the name of Jesus Christ. Because when we say we baptize according to Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2, that's where you'll find that Paul talks about it. When we're being baptized and we call the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ himself show up in the pool. As a matter of fact, the old God had showed up in the pool and they circumcise um, the heart and they transform the mind and they quicken the spirit and they, and they, they quicken the contents and, and clear the, the, the contents of, of um, debris. And so in the split second that we go down in the water and they baptize us, I baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, God does all that stuff to us, hallelujah, with our inner man. We come out looking the same way in our outer man. I'm still, you know, five foot six, still a black woman, you know, with brown eyes. Uh, that, that, that doesn't change on the outside, but in our inner man, the Bible says we come up from the baptismal pool a brand new creature because the blood of Jesus Christ is now um, cursing through our spirit. Not through our physical vein. If you take a blood test, you still go get your daddy's DNA out of it. But my inner man is now alive again unto God. Hallelujah, glory. And the blood of Jesus Christ is now running through my inner man. And just like in the physical, the life of the flesh is in the blood. In the spiritual, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Glory to God. So I don't know how oh God got the blood from the lamb that was slain before the fountain of the earth. I don't know how he got that blood into Jesus while he was in Mary's womb, and I don't really know how he got it in me in the baptismal pool. Hallelujah, glory to God. But the Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says suddenly, and I'm just going to believe God. Um, sometimes, that's why I says, I don't, I don't get upset with folks when they say they don't understand spiritual things, because you have to be a spiritual person to understand spiritual things. If I'm trying to teach somebody something spiritual and they're not getting it, I don't get angry at them. I'll just say, okay, you know what, go and read this scripture and pray about it and come back again and we'll talk about it again. Because except the Lord give us revelation, except the Spirit of God teach us, we don't know what His Word is saying. It seems impossible. It looks impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So what Adam lost in the garden, in that pleasant place, Adam lost it. But in that harsh place of Calvary, Christ regained it. And now 
in Christ, again, we can say we are sons of God. When in Christ, we can again abide in the true vine, in the living word. And in such a place, we have the knowledge or the power to ask for whatsoever we will, and God will do it, on, do it for us. That's in St. John 15, verse 1 to 7. Once again, we can occupy the position of sonship. We're no longer dogs and sorcerers. We're not even servants. We're no beloved, beloved sons of God. And that's in First John 3, verse 2. Uh, we really cannot pay God for redeeming us. We can't pay God for bringing us back. We cannot pay God for leaving enough of his word for us to understand that we have a mind. So when things happen around us, we know we know what area of our being is working, and we know if it is our being at all that is working. We can distinguish our own thoughts from the devil. Like when the devil speaks to us, we can know that's the devil talking, that's not me. If the devil tells me to steal something, I know I'm not a thief. So that, that could not be me because I'm not a thief. So that has to be the devil. So the, some people don't understand that. If they hear evil thoughts, they, they begin to feel guilty. That's what happened to homosexuals. They will, they will be attacked or inundated by that spirit of immorality. And they will not tell anybody. And they will try and hide it. And that's what they call their closeted days. But while they're in the closet, they're, they're being fed by that spirit. And they become more and more tormented. So eventually, for, for torment, they cannot stay in the closet any longer. So they will come out. And they will come out very proudly and very boldly and say that they're immoral. And they don't care what anybody says about them. Um, and they can boast that they are immoral. And they are proud that they are immoral um, because that's how the spirit works. So if somebody, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm being bombarded by any spirit, um, adultery spirit, stealing spirit, lying spirit, any spirit, homosexual spirit, uh, or they, they don't usually come and say that they're being bombarded by a spirit. They'll come and they say that I, I that they won't even say I'm being tempted to. They will say, like, I am a thief and I want to stop stealing. Or I am always lying and I want to stop lying. Or I can't commit, stop committing adultery and I want to stop committing adultery. And so I have to bring them to Romans where Paul, where Paul says, um, since Christ has redeemed me, if I do something, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that lieth in me. So now I have to show them a distinction between their soul and sin or their spirit and sin. And I said, don't take responsibility for what sin is doing or what sin is trying to do in you. Uh, you, you, you you're on the right step. You're doing the first good thing is to confess it. But now I want you to separate yourself from that sin and realize that it is a spirit that is tormenting you to do that. I, I remember when I was going to university one day, um, I was standing by the subway track, and I heard a voice says, jump on the subway track. And I said, I, and I didn't realize I was speaking out with my mouth at the time. It was after I realized I was actually conversing with um, the devil audibly. So I said to him, why would I do that? That doesn't make any sense. That is real silly. I don't have any intention of killing myself. Um, nothing wrong with my life. I'm having a pretty good life. And he says, no, this is not to kill yourself. It's just for you to have the experience. And I said, why would I need an experience like that? That is a foolish experience to have. The train track is for the train, and I am not a train. So stop talking to me because I'm not going to jump on the train track. 
So after I, I said that, I sort of looked around and realized like the people around me had moved away from me, right? <laughs> I was talking. I was talking out loud to me to myself. I said, okay, Satan, you have these people now thinking that I'm crazy. But the reason why the Lord gave me that experience, I found out later because I used to mentor a group of young people. I just loved them. And that week, when I met with them, I told them, I said, you know, I was on the subway, at the subway and the devil told me to jump on the subway train just for the experience of, of, um, of doing it. And he showed me the steps down at the end. He said, you could just run down there very quickly before the train come and come back up. And that's it. You'll just be able to see you have that experience. And after the session was finished that night, one of the young ladies was a young mother with four beautiful kids. She came to me and she says, um, Sister June, I can't tell you how grateful I am, but you're not ashamed to say stuff like that, that you hear the voice of the devil and he tells you these things. He says, I'm so glad you shared that. I said, what's going on with you? She says, I was bathing my children last week and I heard a voice at Plain Street kill them. But I didn't think it was them. I didn't know it was them. I thought it was me thinking to kill my kids. And um, the voice kept on coming and said, kill them, kill them. And I said, why would I want to do that? Why would I kill my kids? And he said, because the world is getting very wicked and um, you need to kill them now while they're innocent to save them from the wickedness that's coming upon the world. And she said the voice told her exactly what knife to use and how to do it and how it would be done very quickly and the children wouldn't feel any pain from it. And I said, but where are the children now? She says, oh, I didn't touch them. I said, why, somebody came home? She says, no, not, nobody didn't come home immediately. I, uh, I said, so what happened? How did you get out of that such a strong temptation? She says, I love my children. And while I was there staring at them and staring at the knife, I heard when my voice says, but I love my children. I love my children. I love my children. My husband came home and saw me crouching in the corner saying, I love my children. I love my children. I said to her, that was the Lord that, that jumped in there and rescued. Jesus came to your rescue. But I said, that was not you. She said, from you telling me now about the subway track, I realized it wasn't me. I said, you're not a murderer, and you love your children. Um, that was not you. That was the devil. She said, I never knew that the devil could talk to somebody playing. So I thought it was my voice. I said, no, that's not you. You love your kids. And I'm so glad your, your, your love for your children um, is so strong that you could use it to hold on to until your husband came home. But Jesus was the one that writes that in your heart. So saints of God, as as sons of God and children of God, um, church is not a joke. I, I keep on saying that more and more these days. Church is not a joke. The devil is not a joke. God is not a joke. We're not a joke. This is We're living in very serious times, and the stuff that... Satan before would not say to us or was afraid to say to us. These days, um, they're coming out plainly, and these things are happening, these things are saying, because the more the church becomes, um, how, how do we call it, tolerable, tolerant, the more the church becomes tolerant to the things of the world or the things of darkness, is the more vicious the enemy becomes. So tonight I'm going to encourage you, don't be tolerant of sin. Don't be tolerant of the enemy. Fight with all your might. Bruise his head. Report his tongue. Be very violent. Be violent. Um, from the days of John the Baptist, the Bible says, the kingdom of God is suffering violent. And we can't be, um, we can't, we, we can't be softy, softy with the enemy. 
He will get us. He will get us one way or the other. We have to be militant and we have to be strong. And the way how we become militant and strong or powerful, the way how we can resist the enemy, the way how we can overcome all his temptation. Sometimes he tells us to hurt ourselves. Sometimes he tells us to hurt our family. Sometimes he tells us to hurt even people that we don't know. So the way how we overcome is by having the power of the Word of God in us is have the knowledge of God and the power that comes with that. So that when the devil speaks, we know immediately how to counteract him. When he says to Jesus, um, jump off this um, this people here and um, I'll catch you, Jesus says, haven't you read? It is written. And so it's the same thing with us. We have to read. We have to know what is in the Bible. We have to know what is all of this is given to us so that when the enemy speaks to us, when he tries to get us to do his dirty work, although we don't owe him anything, but he will still try to get us to do it. The word of God will be in our mind. I said that the very first night I came on this line. The word of God will be in our mind, so rich and so sweet and so thick that the voice of the enemy cannot penetrate it um, to our destruction. The word of God will be in our heart. Our mind will be transformed. Our heart will be circumcised. Our conscience will be quickened, and our spirit will be renewed. Those are the four avenues by which man made decisions on the earth. I pray that all four is intact. I pray that our soul is intact, our spirit is intact, our mind is intact, our conscience is intact, connected to God, and also our body, because we have to present our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. So whether by our outer man or by our inner man, we will be connected to Jesus. And then no matter what the enemy tries on us, we will be victorious over him. We will bear fruit. Some 34, if that's the level of fruit-bearing skills the Lord has given to you. Some 64, if that's what he has determined for you to bring forth, or 100 fold. With a 30, 60, or 100, as long as you do exactly what God told you to do, you will get the same reward that we will all get. We will get the just reward. God is just. Some guys came in before. Some guy coming at midday, some coming in the evening. But everybody get a penny. That was what we bargained for. So whether 30, 60, or 100 fold, just be a fruit according to the measure of faith that God has given to you, and don't let the enemy deceive you in any which way. I have an old ton of scripture to prove all what I just said, but I will post them online. So you could all go online and, and see the scriptures because it's 1049, and I guess some of you have to go to work in the morning. So I will post I will post the scriptures, and you could just read through them systematically because um, all that I said is this scripture for it in Jesus' name. So right at this time, Sister Burton, Miss Burton, I'm going to turn, turn, turn it back to you. Amen. Father God, before you uh, one moment. Father God, right now, watch me in your son's precious blood. Forgive me of my sins, deeds, thoughts, and actions. Anything that's not of you, I do honestly repent, and I receive your forgiveness in no other name but your son's name of Jesus. Father God, you are Adonai. You are our Father, and we give you praise. Right now, Father God, I ask you to cover Elder June Michael forever. She is poured out to you, your word, Father God. So tonight, Father God, I ask you to cover her tonight, Father God. 
pour back into her everything double for everything she has poured out to us tonight, Father God. Oh, and Father God, right now I ask you to bless her mightily, mightily indeed, Father God. And right now, Father God, we thank you for the word that came forth tonight and the lesson tonight, Father God. And tonight, Father God, I ask you to hide it in our hearts, Father God. I ask you to let it be mine in the inner, let it hide deep within our hearts. So we so we shall not forget, Father God. And right now, God, I thank you. I thank you for what is about to come forth with this word. I thank you for everything that is about to happen with what came forth. And I thank you for the miracles and the deliverance and everything that has came forth tonight. And I give you honor and I give you praise. And I pray this prayer in no other name but your son's name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm going to now open the floor for comments. Amen. Me, 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 me. Go right ahead. <laughs> Glory to God. Good evening again, everyone. Um, this is Pastor Maureen. Um, Elder June, um, I have so many different comments, but I'm going to try to limit it because um, of the time I want, you know, folks to be able to jump in. Um, I want to thank you for your transparency tonight because oftentimes we experience, you know, certain things and we just don't know how to handle it. We don't know, is it our mind? Is it us? You know, what, what, where are these thoughts coming from? And so I want to thank you for, um, sharing, uh, experiences that, you know, will help, um, all the listeners tonight to understand that, you know, when they hear certain things, uh, don't go beating up on yourself, but recognize that, you know, um, it's coming from the devil and you've got to know how to resist the devil so that he can flee. So I thank you so much, um, so much for that. Um, the other thing, uh, I mean, so many things. Uh, I, um, I thank you for the explanation of our redemption. You know how we have been, how we were bought back from sin, bought back from evil. Um, glory to God. Uh, I so many notes, so many notes. Glory to God. I just, you know, woman of God, I thank you. I thank you for you the the time, the effort that you put into these studies so that you can come and um, help us to move from where we are to a, a, a better, a better level in God. And may God continue to just anoint you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I stand in agreement with the prayers uh, that were just prayed for you, and I pray that doors will be open for you that no man can shut, because this is good food that you're feeding. I don't know about anybody else, but tonight, you know, I'll, I'll make it personal. This is good food that I'm eating um, at this table, and so, you know, I'm grateful to you, and I'm thankful that God has blessed Simple Words Ministry by allowing you to come and speak to us. God's richest blessings upon you, woman of God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. The line is now open open for uh, comments, questions, and feedback. Amen. Amen. I'm going one more time. The line is now open for comments and questions. Um, Elder Jim, once again, this lesson has been 
like I said, I've learned so much. That's all I can say. I'm like I said, I'm trying to keep my comments short because I can, I can talk. <laughs> Elder June, I have to say this: these lessons have really just enriched me and have really like been good. Like I said, good food. Amen. Thanks, Tom. Amen. Um, if, if I can, if I can say this um, again, I'm sorry. If I can say this, Elder June, um, you, you, your example of the little, you know, the, uh, watching the little girl at the airport and hearing uh, and hearing the voice of, of the enemy um, plotting against her. Um, I I I don't want to say that you know you know I'm you know want to tell people to be so you know always be so um, over spiritual or, or anything like that, but don't you think um, you know don't you believe that when we when we come ag- across something like that, it doesn't have to be that a situation, but any situation where it seems off, where it seems odd, that um, it is a good time for us to pray, you know, because. We we never know what you know what's about to happen. Yes, it, it, it is. It is true. Um, that's what I said when the Lord spoke to me the next morning. That's why He says, "If you don't understand immediately, you ask." So at that point, I should have entered into some conversation with the Lord, but I was so frightened by it because, you know, it's, you know when something takes you unaware. That was. You know, that was the first time I've ever had, I heard the devil say something like that. I've heard him say all kinds of stuff, but never anything like that. So, um, so at, at first I was so shocked. I go, oh, I go, oh my God, what's that? And then I, and then, and then he repeated it. I go, oh my God, what's that? And then he repeated it. And I said, oh, that's dreadful. That's terrible. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do about it. But you're right. At that time, immediately, that I said, if I, if I understood then, even when the mother came and, and to say to me that they will move out of my way very quickly, I would have said something to her if I had conceived the thought that the enemy was really, um, it was really an attack from the enemy. I would have said something to her. But it took me the whole uh, night and all the next morning before the Lord spoke to me and says, see, when Jesus was, was um, the, the enemy said anything to Jesus, immediately he responded. So you're right. And I know armed with that experience. Yes. And, and that is why I am sharing it because um, I've been saved for a while and it still frightened me. And I still wasn't certain what to do with hearing that. Um, so I imagine that there are many people who might, the enemy might make them any sort of presentation, I don't know, take this gun and shoot that person, mm-hmm. and they don't see anybody around, so they might start thinking, that's me saying that, but it's not you saying that, that's not your thought. Yeah. You are not a murderer. Um, that's not your thought. That's the enemy speaking. And, and we just like how we have to identify the, 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 the voice of our own mind and the voice of God, we need to be able to identify the voice of the enemy and don't give him... No room or no place. Immediately that he speaks, you, you, you shut him down. So immediately, yes, I, if I had better sense, uh, better where with him, I would have gone into immediate warfare uh, right there on the spot. But um, it took me the next morning to really come to that consciousness that that was um, an attack from the enemy, and, and the little girl needed 
little girl needs protection. And even with our school system, what's going on in Ontario now, I don't know. I don't know. Our children are not being afforded any protection in the school system from these spirits. Um, these spirits are taking over our school system. And so they don't want children to desensitize the children from pedophilia. And that's, that's what that whole new curriculum is about. No matter how they disguise it, I'm teaching, we're going to teach them their body part. You don't have to go to that drastic means to teach children the, the, the scientific name of their body part. My grandson is fine when he knows all the medical and scientific name of all his body parts. But it doesn't come with sexual immorality. It comes with pureness. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to pray for our children and the school system in Ontario with our premier, Kathleen Wynne, and the other, the, the other gentleman by the name of Ben Levin, um, he's, a, he's a pedophilia currently serving a prison term for pedophilia, confessed pedophilia, and confessed that he will even have um, sexual pleasure with his own grandchildren. Um, uh-huh. He's in prison right now. But, but the, the, the curriculum that is being introduced to our children, he's the one that wrote it. He's the one that designed it. And so he believes that very soon pedophilia will be accepted. So he's no longer ashamed. He has spent enough time in his closet, and he has now come out with a lot of strength. He's, he's no longer ashamed to say what he, what he is and what he des, his desires are, and he is introducing his desire through the school system, through the, through the curriculum. So I have, um, I'm establishing with the schools that my children are not allowed to sit in those classes. And anybody subject my children to those teaching, the entire school board is going to um, have to meet me in court. My yes. children are not allowed to be in those classes. I can teach them my own self what they need to learn. My God. Ben Levin, he's the one that designed that curriculum, and he's, now, he's currently serving that prison term. So the way how he sees it, by the time he comes out of prison, he will be free to do whatever he wants because everybody will be desensitized uh-huh. from from the stigma of pedophilia, he will not be accepted, and he will be able to do what he wants to do. And the devil is now speaking plainly. So the, the, the church needs to become militant. The church needs to be the church. The church needs to get up and fight these spirits, not, not defensively. We don't need to wait until the enemy does his business to fight. We need to fight offensively. We're, yes. not, we're not ignorant of his devices. Yes. We know enough what he will do. Make a battle plan and go after him before he does something. Make sure that he stays in the region of darkness and make sure he stays behind the gates of hell. Don't, don't, let, him, don't let him advance on your territory. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. We are the keepers of the earth. And if, but if we don't know our kingdom and if we don't know who's roaming our kingdom, then we can hardly exercise kingship That's because right. we don't even know our kingdom. But we need to know our kingdom. The earth is ours to keep. We're keepers of the earth. We're keepers of the word of God. And if the enemy is going to be so bright and bold to speak to you, who are a son of God, then you ought to know before he speaks either how not to make him speak or if the Lord does allow him to speak, what to do, what to do about him immediately. Don't even give him a night's rest. Immediately, as pastor says, you enter into warfare and, and, and cut him off and shut him down. So I pray wherever that little girl is that she's safe and whoever that spirit is planning to work through, 
that um, that person will be kept away from her, not by God's uh, not by God's intervention because I don't know her. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, before we close, I'm going to ask: uh, Are there any prayer requests? I I have a prayer request too. Uh, my grandson that we have been praying for and believing for. Praise the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. last, last Friday, um, the hospital for six children said that they have set a date to begin is um the procedure for a bone marrow transplant to be November the second. They said they set that date. So um. Of course, I'm still resisting the old bone marrow transplant thing, but they're still going along doing what they're doing, and I'm doing what I'm doing. So I'm just asking, as as I said before, I I do believe that Jalan is healed, and um, we just need it manifested in his in his blood blood tests and his examinations. Um, I I do believe that Jalan is healed, and I'm I'm not going to take that back. I believe he's healed. But we need it manifested for the doctors to see, and and that's what I'm believing the Lord for, that you will manifest it for the doctors, um, the doctors to see. There's also a little girl in in Sick Children Hospital by the name of Adesia. She has leukemia, and I'm asking you all to uh, to pray for her healing. She's in Sick Kids. She's um she's two years old. And she has leukemia. And um, there's another young lady. She's um, 19 years old. She um, she has cancer all over her body. And um, we prayed before, and the doctor says that um, she was cancer-free. But I got a report last week that the cancer has returned with a vengeance, and it's now all over her body. Her name is Kirby, and I am still believing the Lord that um, she will... Um, she will survive. She will survive even this this, late, this later attack. We did we did before in doctor in prior and praise, and the report came that she was cancer free, but now the doctor says that it's it's back and it's back with a vengeance, worse than before. Now um, the young man on the sidewalk that accosted me and had me counsel him on the sidewalk, his name is Lorenzo. He has an alcoholic problem. He's an alcoholic. And um, you please help me to pray for him. I might never, ever see him again on this side of life. But as I said to him and I prayed for him, I expect him to follow the voice of the Lord and the leading of the Lord. And if I never see him again here, I should see him in heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, please, please pray for him, Lorenzo. And my friend, that's whose leg is amputated. She's not handling it very well mentally. And she was a minister in the gospel, but... She's not handling her amputation very well. And um, her name is um, Sister Bert. So please, Sister Bernard, she prefer to be called Bernard, Sister Bernard. So please let me pray for her. There's a lot of, lot of hard stuff to pray. <laughs> uh, lots of hard stuff to pray for. But, uh, my, and as usual, please pray for my children, all of them, that they'll return to the Lord. All seven of them. Amen. 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 Uh, any, anyone else on the prayer request? Yes. Okay. Um, um, I have a prayer request. Um, okay. 
one of my manager at work, uh, the one that I was talking about with um, she's carrying a child, and the child is not well. She's off work now for the past three weeks. Mm-hmm. I am not getting any form of information about her. Um, I'm just going to ask, you know, you all to pray for her. Okay, what's her name? Her name is, um... Give her a name. Just give her a name. Cat. 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 Okay. Katrina. Katrina? Okay. All right. Anyone else? Any other prayer requests? Praise the Lord. Hello. Master the Lord, may he grant me a revelation in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. May I ask who's that speaking? I'm sorry. Master the Lord, may he grant me a revelation in Jesus Christ's name. Okay, and your name? Oh, I'm sorry. Pauletta from Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, amen. Father God, right now, wash me in your son's precious blood. Forgive me of my sins, deeds, thoughts, and actions. <clears throat> yes, Lord. Anything is not of you, I do honestly repent. And I receive your forgiveness in no other name but your son's name of Jesus. Father God, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are El Shaddai. You are Elohim. You are Jehovah Tiskanu. You are Adonai. And we give you praise tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to you. So worthy, you're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Thank Hallelujah. you. Hallelujah. You're so worthy. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Father God, for what you're doing. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins, deeds, thoughts, and actions. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. I do honestly repent. And I receive your forgiveness in no other name. Hallelujah. Father God, this evening we come to you. We come to you, your humble, your boldly before your throne tonight. Father God, we thank you right now as we came once again, came together to hear a good word. To be fed by you so we can hide your word within our hearts, Father God. Father God, right now I lift up Elder June to you, Father God. And you know what she's needing, Father God. You see, and you know what she's needing by her family members. You see, and you know what she's needing by her friends, Father God. And God, tonight, I thank you tonight by blessing her mightily indeed. Father God, right now, I thank you for the healing that you forth tonight, Father God. So, God, I thank you and I bless you tonight, Father God. Father God, I lift up pass Marie Jen daily up to you, Father God. You see and you know what is going on, Father God. And tonight we celebrate our Father God, God, lives another year, Father God. We are thankful tonight, Father God. And Father God, we ask you to pour out a blessing. Pour out a blessing that goes beyond her comprehension. And all she got to say is that you did it, Father God. Yes, God. You did it for her in the name of Jesus. Yes, God. Father God, I lift up every member of Simple Words Ministry up to you, Father God. Yes, you see Lord. and you know what they're needing, Father God. 
You know the desires and the petitions of their hearts, Father God. So, God, I thank you tonight. I thank you, and I praise your name, and I bless you mightily indeed. Father God, I lift up out of this list up to you, Father God. I lift the out of life to you, Father God. I I today's up to you, Father God. You see, you know this child is needing healing, so we place her on the altar tonight, Father God, because it's by your son's stripes we're all healed. So, Father God, I ask you to send send a word of healing to her room, Father God. We ask you to send a word of healing to her body, Father God. Father God, new new organs for her, Father God. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Father God, Father God, we command death and trauma to die and to go and to never return off this child's body in the name of Jesus. And we speak healing over her tonight. Yes, Lord. Healing on her hair follicles, Father God. But God, we know. I God, have your way, have your way. A living testament unto you, Father God. Father God, we lift up Donna to you, Father God. Father God, we know you are the maker, and you know what he needs for his bottle barrel, Father God. Yes, God. We thank you for his miracle in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Come back to leave that pestilence and leave his body now in the name of We speak healing in his body, Father God. We command him from prison to dissolve and die now. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we command his blood count to be normal as you in the name of Jesus. We command his T cells to be on point tonight, Father God. We command the adjustment of his white blood cells count, Father God. We command the proper adjustment of his of his organs tonight in the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. This Father God. We command new organs to replace them now in the name of Father God, all we want to know when he goes in for his scan, that when you know it's you and only you, the doctors say a miracle has taken place, amen. Yes. And, Father God, we lift up Michelle's aims up to you, Father God, and her grandchildren, Father God. She was so overwhelmed today when I spoke to her, but I felt something that wasn't right, Father God. Mm. Father God, I command that spirit of anger and bitterness to leave her now in the name of Jesus. Father God, right now with that little two-year-old, I speak life over that two-year-old's body, Father God. In the name of Jesus. That spirit that's attacking that little two-year-old now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right now, right now, I ask you to bless her household, Father God. You see, she has been out of work, Father God, and hadn't had work in a long time, Father God. So, God, I ask you to bless her household. Bless her household. Bless her, Father God. Father God, she's needing a vehicle right now, Father God. Ask you to bless her finances and her credit report, Father God. In the of Jesus. Father God, give her the support because she's crying out to you, Father God. So we're crying out on her behalf this 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 evening. So Father God, I ask you to bring her the support that she so desires, Father God. God. Right now we know you have not because you ask not 
So we ask you on her behalf tonight, Father God. Oh, my God, my God, you are not awesome, God. Please do it, Lord. We Pray know you can. We live up, Sister Kirby, up to you, Father God. You Hallelujah. see and you know we command her body to be healed in the name of Jesus. Yes, Father God, yeah. right now. Mm, Bless her, Lord. Bless her, Lord. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You're so worthy, you're worthy to be praised. 
I yes. know you are my God, and you hear yes, not only hear my prayer, but you answer them one by one by one by one yes. by one. I just tell the bring up tonight, Father God. You see and you know what she is happy about and what she is needing right now. So, God, I thank you tonight for what you're about to do in the yes. name of Jesus. Yes. Yes. Right now, I lift this Sister Monica up to you and Sister Nayoka. <laughs> And Brother Antonio, up to you, Father God. Yes, Lord. Father God, I ask you to bless them mightily, mightily indeed. I lift them up to Jackie, Jackie Chan, one, ten, up to you, Father You see and you know what she's needing, Father God. And I thank you. Mm, I thank thank you for the blessing. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I lift up Prophet Bob up to you, Father God. Yes, Lord. The blessing, the blessing of resources unto him, Father yes, God. Lord. In the name of Jesus. So, God, I thank you tonight what you're about to do, Father God. So, God, yes, right we, now, we I want to thank you, Father. Lord, we bless you. Thank you for the healing of the body, of the mind, and of the soul tonight, Father God. Lord, yes. I thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. God, I know what you've done for Hallelujah. me, Father God. Oh, my God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. You've got to open up again so people can hear you and only you. Definitely, 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 so, God, I thank you tonight, and you're so worthy. You're worthy to be Worthy, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All the spirit, have your way, all the spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, so yeah, yeah, my God, my God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank and you. I pray this prayer and no other name. But no other name. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy to be worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Asking it shall be given. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's an awesome Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is such an awesome God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Lord. Glory, glory, glory. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. Father, I praise you. Father, I glorify your holy name. Lord God, even now I place your daughter, Minister Lashana Burton, on the altar before you, O oh God. I ask, O oh God, that you'll cover her from the corner of her head to the soles of her feet in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father God, even now I bind up every retaliating spirit. I bind up every backlashing spirit, O oh God. God, as she has interceded on behalf of your people tonight, I'm asking, O oh God, hallelujah, that you will fill her up afresh, O oh God, and that you will keep a hedge of protection around her in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord God, even now I thank you, O oh God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Oh, God, for hearing her heart cry, oh, God, in the name of Jesus. God, you see and you know the petitions, oh, God, her personal petitions that she, my God, she has placed before you. And, Father, God, I thank you for the knowledge that it's all already done. I thank you for the manifestation, mighty God of Daniel. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And, Lord God, even now, we just want to thank you for this night once more, oh, God. Thank you for your servant, Elder June, oh, God. Thank you for each and every person brought here to hear a word directly from you tonight, and we thank you, oh God, for your daughter, Minister Lashana Burton, once more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 He's worthy. He's so worthy. He's ready to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, oh thank God. you, Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> thank you, thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Shia. Thank you, Lord. Ha. Hallelujah. Oh, oh Shia. Mighty God. Hallelujah. Mighty God of Daniel, we pray. Oh, Shia. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, yes, God. Praise Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.